Welcome to the Grey Wolf Podcast. Welcome to the very first edition of Grey Wolf Unsolved. It is Ned, joined by my main man, Johnny Fitz. Fitz, how are you? Big oh, one, man. Big yeah. one right now. Massive, man. Feeling very mysterious and a little bit spooky as we deep dive into the Unsolved Mystery series, which has recently aired on Netflix. Of course, following up the classic 1980s and even earlier series with Robert Stack, and then there was the 2010 series with Dennis Farina. Netflix has picked it up and released six absolute cracking episodes amazing cases so we're going to talk about them through a new series yeah i'm very much looking forward to this one man like we've spoken about on our previous shows we both sort of really dig this kind of thing yep. we've rewatched the first episode they are all sorts of good so let's give it a little bit of a basic rundown what we're going to do throughout this series absolutely so what we're going to do is each case we're going to go over the synopsis or the breakdown of what actually happened in the case if you've seen the episode this will be like a refresher if you haven't of course i guess this is going to be a spoiler warning that we're going to break down and talk about it. And then what we're going to do is we're going to go down the rabbit hole a bit, Nettie, and this is one of my favourite things to do, especially with conspiracy theories and unsolved mysteries. We're going to go down the rabbit hole of some theories and a bit of discussion that I've been able to dig up online. You know, the beauty about this series is it's happening in a day and age where everyone's got a phone, everyone's got an opinion, and there's an easy way to get it out there. So a lot of these are from Reddit and a few forums that I've been digging around. So we've got some absolute cracking theories. And then, of course, we're going to finish it off with our own thoughts, what we think has happened in each case. So it's going to be a lot of fun and something that we've been wanting to do for a little while actually and as soon as this came out it was like hey the light bulb went off so here we are yeah this one is going to be a whole bunch of fun a little bit more serious than what we're used to yep. but we might you know throw in some lighthearted stuff here and there obviously not about the case because they're all well not good at all but it's all about delving a little bit deeper into that John Fitzgerald yeah. rabbit hole with the Jace Herbert spoiler alert <laughs> warning if you haven't seen it and you want to see it go out and watch it first before you listen to this I guess we do have to say that none of these things are in concrete. These are just our theories and our thoughts on everything. So take it as you will. Don't take it as, as fiction, of course. But I think a few of the theories, particularly in the first episode right now, are going to have a bit of merit because there's a few things about this case that really don't weigh up on a lot of a lot of fronts. So we'll deep dive into it. The first episode, Mystery on the Rooftop, Nettie. This is the tragic story of Ray Rivera, who was we fell off the roof of the Belvedere Hotel in Baltimore, which I've actually been home? in Baltimore. Beautiful city. Home of the Beautiful Ravens, city. right? Home of yeah. the Ravens, my boys. So it's an absolute tragic story, this one, and we will be try to be serious through as much as we can. But let's start by reading through the synopsis of this story. So again, spoilers if you haven't seen the episode. If you have, this will jog your memory as to what's happened. In May 2006, Ray and Alison Rivera have been married for six months and have been living in Baltimore for 18 months after relocating from Los Angeles, where Ray was offered a job. Now they're making plans to move back to California. On the evening of May 16, 2006, Alison Rivera is out of town on a business trip when she tries to call Ray, but he doesn't answer. At 9.30pm, Alison phones her co-worker, Claudia, who is staying at the couple's home. Claudia tells her that at 6pm, she heard Ray answer a phone call, respond, oh, then rush out of the house. At 5am the next morning, Claudia calls Alison to say Ray is still not home. Knowing this is out of character for him, Allison immediately drives back to Baltimore, calling hospitals, police, friends and family looking for Ray, and she files a missing person report with the police. Friends and family fly in to aid in the search, which doesn't turn up a single clue or a witness. Six days later, Ray's SUV is found in a parking lot next to the Belvedere Hotel in downtown Baltimore. The parking ticket shows it has been there since the 16th. 
There you go right there. That's already ringing some alarm bells for me. What is she doing up at 5 a.m. in yeah. the morning to start with? Or maybe Bizarre. she's an early riser, <laughs> a very early riser. Very. Okay, let's keep this going on. May 24th, three of Ray's co-workers from Stansbury and Associate, the publishing company where he works, decide to search for clues in a parking structure adjacent to the Belvedere. From the fifth floor of the parking structure, they look down on the roof of a lower annex of the Belvedere and see two large flip-flops... As seen, worn by John Fitzgerald. <laughs> a cell phone and glasses. Next to these items is a hole in the roof about 40 inches in diameter, overcome by a sense of dread they call the police. When hotel concierge Gary Shivers opens the door to the conference room that is under the hole, they discover race decomposed body. Oh, it's not nice, man. Imagine finding that. That would stick you with you for a long yeah, time. Yeah, and the but poor guy on the show, he was shook from this. Yeah, he really was. So Allison and Ray's family are devastated by the news, understand, understandably. And even more baffled when the Baltimore police declare the death a suicide, Ray has no psychological issues and had exhibited no signs of stress or depression. And what Ray was even doing at the Belvedere, that's the biggest point for me. What was he doing there? Homicide detective Mike Bayer, I believe we pronounce his his last name, is Mm. first on the scene. And when he sees Ray's belongings on the roof, his gut instinct tells him the scene looks staged. Ray's cell phone is still working and his glasses are unscratched after falling 13 floors. It's hard yeah, to believe, that's man. That's very hard to yeah. believe. And no one can understand exactly what part of the roof Ray would have had to have jumped from to land where he did. That was a big part of the, earlier on in the episode, a big part of the case. Like, how could he have got to where he fell through the roof unless he was an Olympic runner, Olympic jumper, to actually clear that distance to get to the roof below the Belvedere Yeah, roof. that is quite the jump right Un- there. Unbelievable. And another troubling aspect to this case, no one at the hotel remembers seeing a six foot five man anywhere near the hotel on the evening of May 16th and it would have been extremely difficult for Ray to find his way to the roof yeah that's a bit of a case of like you just can't go up to any old hotel you know even here in one of the capital cities find your way up to the roof without somebody seeing you let alone being six foot five and standing out like a sore thumb exactly now Allison believes Ray was murdered and wonders if his death is somehow connected to his work writing financial newsletters for Stansbury and Associates the Rebound Report provided financial advice to subscribers who paid upwards of $1,000 for each newsletter. Wow, we need wow. to get into that right there. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure that was in the show. It was $1,000 per report. Yeah. In years past, the company had been cited by the Securities and Exchange Commission for producing false leads. The call Ray received from around 6 p.m. on May 16th was from those officers, yet no one came forward to admit they made that call. Yeah. Alarm bells are ringing right That's- there, John. That's, that's a big, big part of this case, and we've got some theories on it shortly, but that is just massive. Yes, and the medical examiner has declared the cause of Ray's death as unexplained because there are too many unanswered questions. Therefore, the case must remain open with the Baltimore Police Department. Alison Rivera still holds out hope that someone will come forward with a clue or a lead to the mysterious death of her husband. I tell you what, someone at Stansbury and Associates right there has to know. Someone had to yeah. have made that phone call. Yep, yep. That's where the mystery sort of starts, man. So this guy is all of a sudden living his life one night. He gets a phone call. He exclaims, O-S-H-I-T. He runs out the door, jumps off the building of a hotel. That's the that's the scenario that these people are trying to put together. That's the pieces of these puzzle that don't really make sense. And like I said, the best thing that we can do nowadays is we can go to the internet for some theories and some inside looks and some different angles on things, which is what we love to do. So the whole case itself is really clouded with this sort of 
mysteriousness of like, you know, why did he leave the house? How did he end up on the roof? How did he go through that hole in the roof? Mm. You know, it even took him that long to find the body. Why is no one from Stansbury and Associates talking? Why is his That's best friend one. not saying anything? Yeah. And the best friend thing here, and to put a little bit of a lighthearted thing on here, these guys were best friends since they were 15. They'd known each other yep. for 15, 16 years. We joked like if Madman Matt Grace all of a sudden, you know, one of us goes missing, like you, for yep. example, Madman's too busy, not, not talking to the police, none of yeah. that. He did come out and say, though, he would give a $1,000 reward to anyone that had details on this, though. Yeah, it's, even that amount, though, you think, like, this guy's a fairly well-to-do entrepreneur businessman. That's one newsletter, man. <laughs> That's one newsletter, exactly. You know, I'd like to think that if I went missing, I mean, 1000 bucks isn't too shabby for me, but for someone in that sort of situation, you know, like, come on, that seems like a bit of a, a half-assed effort. But, yeah, uh, I believe Porter, not the best of friends. Right yeah, here. it doesn't That's, seem that know, way. And, mm. and so what we're going to do is we're going to dive down the rabbit hole, man. And I'm going to throw a few different things at you. There's quite a few theories around this one and a few different, a lot of bits and pieces that were missing from the documentary as well. And uh, we'll get into those shortly. But one thing I need to mention is the case has now actually been reclassed as a homicide which is a big. suicide, which and is And that's huge. just come from this series, hasn't it? Exactly. So from memory, all of the cases, all six cases in the show have now been reopened or reclassed for them to investigate more. But I'm going to throw a few things at you, man. And I just want to see what you think about some of these sort of random notes that I've pulled out from everywhere. We'll start off with Stansbury and Associates themselves, but there's a lot of corruption around that company and how the police could not subpoena the employees in front of a grand jury, as I mentioned on the show, to nullify that gag order. It just seems like the police didn't want to. You reckon just the easier case here, just let it go? Are they? We've spoken about this. There's further theories about it being involved with the mob sort of thing. Are they turning a blind eye to it? What what are they doing here? Are they just making it easier? That's what it seems like. It seems like they actually didn't want to investigate this and the mob intervention is an interesting one and that's sort of where my mind goes with this case is of course they would know how to st- they would stage a crime scene you know they can pull strings within the police department of course they can pressure Porter not to say anything and his staff as well and then of course disconnect the cameras in the hotel that apparently weren't working that one night which is bizarre just the one night there just you go night, which is yeah. very interesting yeah keep yeah, delving because we'll, we'll I'll throw diving. theories on that absolutely man so look perhaps Ray and I think this was mentioned towards the end of the episode but perhaps Ray found some ties between the Stansbury and Associates company and the mob which would sort of you know it could put his life in danger hence why he was terrified that night the two break-ins happened the two nights before he disappeared he was terrified for his life and I've mentioned in here that sort of you know my mind goes to Ozark if you've seen the TV show where it's all about money laundering and insider deals and if you find out too much information you just get wiped out like that's the that's the the plain and simple of it so the night of the break-in there was the two break-ins or the attempted break-ins the two nights before he went missing surely that can't be a coincidence and not by the way he reacted to them perhaps he was you know he's a little psychotic or perhaps it was something else like he knew his life was in danger maybe he just stumbled across something and that just sort of triggered something when the house alarm went off yeah definitely man and that's where everything just sort of doesn't add up does it because the way that he was acting before this happened they're trying to say it was suicide and whatever the you're saying perhaps he was a big psychotic yeah, I, yeah. I, I feel he knew something was coming yeah I think he had to know something and Baltimore as a city in general I've actually looked into this is quite well known for its organised crime represent uh, Baltimore yeah, baby yeah, let's go Ravens baby <laughs> and it was mentioned in the show that Stansbury and Associates were fined 1.5 million for false stock information or fraud and the Russians were involved they mentioned that in the show and I've got a note about that shortly and there's just something very shady going on and obviously <laughs> Porter has to know something man and it's sort of one good 
theory that I sort of read about was perhaps he took out a loan to pay this $1.5 million debt, maybe with the mob, maybe with, with some overseas companies, and maybe Ray's death was a sign that maybe he'd stop payments and this was sort of a warning to him potentially. And of course, Porter, he lawyered up as soon as it happened and he didn't help the police when his best mate was found dead. Like that part of it really you know resonates with me. Like you'd think he'd be all over there trying to help out, not just putting up a thousand bucks, but he didn't even return the calls of the investigating detective. Like that's just bizarre. And I thought that would be like, you wouldn't even be able to do that. If the cops come knocking, you have to talk, right? Like what's going on there? Exactly. It's bizarre, man. But look, perhaps it's not directly connected to Porter, but maybe he knew something. Maybe it was a disgruntled client of his that he was just terrified of, which I think could explain why he didn't want to cooperate. But that 1.5 million, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of money, but maybe that money came from a dirty source that he was trying to cover up. And this was just a, we're going to kill your best friend as a, as a, as a sign, you know, maybe we've been watching too much Breaking Bad, but there's something there yeah, for mine. I don't mind that theory right there. And that's the first time I've heard about that. That does make a lot of sense right there. But again, terrible friend. Yeah. Man. That's so dodgy. <laughs> and, yeah, and even talking about the company itself, it's very interesting that it's been over a decade since this happened and no one's come forward with any information, not even an anonymous tip. Not one person. How many people work there? Do you know? Is was that? Uh, in any I don't your- think it was mentioned, but it have to be in the hundreds. A company like that, it's and just not one not person. One. One. has come forward you would think nah. someone would have to know so someone made that phone call whether that, or not it's, exactly. it's probably Porter you would yeah. think yeah most likely but no one overheard that phone call you know even if the police wanted they probably could have worked out because the phone call was made at 6pm they probably could have found out who was in the building at 6pm if they really wanted to but this is where it all starts to not line up and even the Belvedere itself apparently is a bit of a hot spot for criminal activity and a few people that were commenting on the post I was reading who worked in the area at the time mentioned there's a lot of Russian activity you know we're talking about organised crime mobs these sorts of things and apparently to, on top of that they actually owned a restaurant in the area called the Red Square and you know the Russians the, yeah the Russians apparently owned this restaurant in the area and you remember the cameras that were disconnected at the hotel like that just doesn't happen you know what I mean if we're talking about setting up a crime scene and trying to you know get things past security I mean it's bizarre that no one noticed but it's even more bizarre that there's no security footage of this happening yeah that's really where it gets you know it's you can pay people off, but there's only a certain amount of people. Surely that place is a very, yeah. very big place. Someone yep. had to have seen something. Yeah, and there's the, and just the fact that the even look at the at the hotel, it even seems like a place where you know you'd see it on an old mobster movie. You yeah, know, there's oh, something definitely. happening. It's definitely an old school feel yeah, to it, right? Yeah, exactly. There. But you know, the Russians have been no, have been mentioned a few times, potentially links to this organized crime mob that potentially was involved. But the one thing that that I think really twigs a lot of people, and anyone who's watched the episode would have seen this is that the one detective who they were interviewing who believed the case was a homicide was reassigned that's just not a coincidence whatsoever. No way. Back away. Not today. Yeah. He was the only probably uncorrupt. Oh, I shouldn't say. Yeah. That, but like he knew something, man. It's that just, is so shady. Uh, and look, from what I've, you know, again, going down that rabbit hole, apparently there is quite a bit of corruption within the Baltimore oh, there Police you go. Force. There is too. Yeah, well, there which you go. is always a case with organized crime syndicates and mob activity and that kind of thing. But that, that point to me alone would be enough reason to reopen the case after all these years. Oh, most definitely, man. It's very interesting that you're 
say there's a lot of corruption in that police force for this yeah. to happen, for them to to cover up like everything that we've mentioned so far. Yeah. Like they're trying to goes back down to the police as it well, does, right it there, does. man. Even at, at a at a very simple level, if the police aren't involved, they've done a lousy job just investigating the case. Like with so many potential leads, they just didn't bother chasing up. It just doesn't line up for me. But if we actually talk about a theory about how he went through the roof, and I really like this one actually, man. Uh, potentially, was he bashed and then pushed out of a helicopter? What do you well, think? Yeah, that's it makes a lot of sense right there if that being the case because it, like you went through, we, we've just re-watched it. It's basically impossible for this man to have jumped. Mm, yep. It's in any which way. The helicopter theory does make a lot of sense and it would also explain why nobody saw him yeah, in exactly. the hotel. But then it, how's that link back to the cameras on top of the roof then if they've yeah. been chopped off? like I suppose they may pick up on the exactly, helicopter. Exactly. Maybe they saw, maybe there's some cameras that sort of might have caught the window if he had have been pushed out of a helicopter outside. Yeah, true. There's actually true. another theory I didn't read, I didn't make a mention of here is that I read this uh, on Twitter. It might have been that he was actually like in a bag of some sort and they threw him out of the helicopter to make the hole and then they went down and maybe like they you know, changed around the crime scene to make it look like he just jumped off the building like it's... Well, they, they've they definitely mucked around with that crime scene right have. there, so that makes a lot of sense if that is the case. Exactly, man. And, like, the thing is, especially with his glasses and his phone, yeah. just sitting there on the roof undamaged, like, uh, that just doesn't make any sense to me at all. But now, one really good point here is you would think that people would notice a helicopter. Like, you know, just if one flew over right now, you'd go, oh, there's a helicopter outside. You know, you'd sort of pick well, up that and detail. And being that low, I guess, too, exactly. 100%. That goes back to those witnesses again. Yeah. Only so many people you can pay off. Exactly. But one catch to that man is apparently there's a hospital nearby. So, you know, we're talking three or four helicopters going over every day for patient transfer. Oh, so, there you go. You know, if the you mobs were, picked a exactly. good motel to do it in then, I'd say. If, if you were going to fly a helicopter low to drop a body out of, why not do it near where there is going to be a lot of helicopters? helicopters makes so they so wouldn't even sense. look twice over it. Exactly, yeah. man. Even the, the physics of the fall are very strange, and we've spoken about that already. He would have had to have hit feet first. You know, like a pin drop, basically, given the sort of the size of the hole. But the way, of course, his legs were broken didn't really match that theory. That makes no sense at all, no, does it? it doesn't. Like, you know, just reading that now, that would sort of allude to suicide mm. if he's pin dropped. If he's been dropped out, you wouldn't think it would. No, no, exactly. Fall like that. And the thing is, when a body falls, and you can imagine the physics of this, it's the heaviest part that falls first. And you can imagine on a six foot five guy, the, the weight of his torso, yeah. that's the way he would fall through that building. And again, he's six foot five. He's not going to make a little hole. He's going to make a mighty yeah, big, he's going to make a mighty <laughs> a big massive hole cavity. Right there. So if he was actually dead when he was thrown off, you would think that his top half would have gone through first rather than him pin dropping down. Yeah, exactly. So then it leads on to, you know, the hole itself. And this is, I believe this was mentioned in the documentary. It wasn't really investigated all that thoroughly. Like, you know, they've just accepted that's where the body came from. But what about testing it for DNA? What about yeah, looking 100% closer? right there. I didn't even think about that until you said it. They're, they're talking about it like it was just already there. He's fallen exactly. through a hole. They've had no mention of where the hole came from. Was yep. it from the yep. body? Has someone put the hole there for him to fall through? Like It just doesn't add up in a lot of ways, does it? Just the size of the hole. But then again, if you were staging a crime scene, you'd go, oh, geez, he's pretty big. Maybe we should make that hole a bit 
bit larger yeah, to bit. make it seem more believable. But there's every chance that the hole was potentially made after the fact. So he was maybe mm. beaten to you know to an inch of his life and left in that room. Because if you're going to make it look like he fell off a building, they must have beaten him some savage. Yeah. Uh, and of course that you know that brings in that theory and, and a theory that I'm sticking with that the whole thing was staged. You know they may have known that that particular conference room I believe it was wasn't used very often, which they did talk about. Well, yeah, they hadn't been in for a couple of weeks, sort of thing. Exactly. But again, that comes back to how did they even know the conference room was there? That's right, and Inside that comes back to the hotel. Like if that's yeah. a that's a little hot spot for this organised crime. I mean, who knows? But of course, that means they knew that the body wouldn't be discovered straight away. Do you know what I mean? So they yeah. might have been some time for decay and that sort of thing. And you know, it wasn't until they went onto the roof and they noticed that there was a hole in the roof altogether. But what if the hole was already there the whole time? Who knows? Like yeah. the lady from the news, I believe, on the documentary said that, you know, they thought maybe it was just the rain had caused a hole in this yeah, roof. Exactly. Like and nobody's going in there because uh, the room doesn't get used. So exactly how do right. you know? So it's, the, the hole itself has got some very interesting sort of quirks about it. But another theory, and I believe this is one that Ash actually brought up now that I've reread it, is that he was actually hit by a car on the parking garage, which is just above where he fell through the, through the hole, apparently. Of course, he was then flung through the air, which would, I guess, would give some merit to the distance that he would need he wouldn't have jumped off he was pushed or you know he's run over by the car and then his phone and his glasses were sort of thrown down there afterwards another thing they mentioned in the show is that he was afraid of heights if you're going to kill yourself you wouldn't go and jump off a roof I don't think I mean that's just getting out there and, and a little bit on the dark side but that is definitely getting in on the dark side but there's no way you're going to do that why make it worse for yourself there's yeah. plenty of other ways that you know that sort of thing can be done you're not going to make it that much worse for yourself sort of thing I don't exactly. mind that theory that your partner Ash has come up with there so you this theory is that he's been hit by the car that hasn't yep, obviously yep. made the hole yeah and then they've yeah, done it afterwards no so the parking garage was so you've got the the hotel on one side there's the where the, the room where he fell through in yep. sort of in the middle and on the other side or just next to it there's the parking garage which yep. is you know how many stories high three or four stories high so the thought might be that he was on top of the parking garage maybe he's he was there barreled. for a reason he's yep. been smacked with the car he's flown through the air and that's given him the trajectory to get to where the hole was because he didn't yeah so no the hole's any, already existing there she's, and he's gone not through saying it. that yeah, that's either one exactly. So yeah. he's gone through that roof because he's been smashed by a car, not he's run up and jumped through it. So, but I again, think, you would think there would be witnesses to that, mm, mm, exactly, and potentially you know uh, records from the parking garage of who was there if they've got cameras. And the they didn't. They didn't really build into that. Was a theory not even on the show. So not at all. That was one thing I thought was interesting that the parking garage didn't really come up at all. And it seemed to be the most likely yeah, because yeah. Uh, there is no way he could have jumped off of the top of that roof and made it through all the other two bits. The parking garage seemed to be the most logical if yep, you are yep. talking suicide or if he's going to jump. Yeah, exactly. And like you say, there was not. Was there talk of cameras or anything on the parking no, garage? I, I don't, don't believe, believe there was. The only time they sort of really mentioned it was when they were trying to work out potentially where he jumped from. That was the yeah. only time they kind of mentioned that but I don't mind this theory I'm just trying mm. to think you know maybe he, he went to the ho- maybe that that's why he wasn't on the hotel cameras potentially he wasn't in he wasn't even there he wasn't at all. even there at all yeah and he, he goes the kicker and this is why I read the theory about him being in a, a suitcase that would be another reason why they wouldn't see him on the cameras even if they were connected if he'd been belted up and put in a suitcase to then fling him off the roof you wouldn't yeah. even know makes like, a lot of sense that one's a, a pretty good one right there exactly. I can't believe they didn't sort of delve into that on yeah. the show yeah and this is sort of where the chills start happening anyway yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm you, freaked go down, out a little. you go down the rabbit hole, man. Now, we have to talk a little bit about the note. The note that was stuck on the back of the computer, and I don't believe it was even mentioned in the documentary, but it was his sister that found it. 
wasn't the police. It was his sister that found it. And she's been out there online. Her name's Angel from memory. And she's been out there trying to solve this case as well. And she I'll was tell the one you who what, found it there. This is very interesting right here. This note is bizarre at yeah. best, man. This really, it sort of throws like a spanner in the works it too. Does. Because yep. it sort of could almost lead into that suicide side of things. Yeah. Or, Again, it goes back to what I was saying a little bit earlier. I think he knew something big was coming. Yeah, it's it's bizarre, isn't it? And even like, and, uh, and Alison even said, not on the documentary uh, separately, that it wasn't like him to type up a note. Did you notice it was typed, not handwritten? Like yeah, he that was, an was author? very bizarre. Yeah, yeah, I did. And like he had all those handwritten notes as well. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, I mean, look, it, it could be a sign of many, many things. I think it's there's definitely something in there, but I don't think they really worked out what it was. Like, was it just a random writings or of a writer, or was it actually a suicide? side note whatever it was why stick it to the back of a shelf like just yeah. why not just put it in a drawer or whatever the yeah. fact that and did she say how she found it like what nah, are you doing behind the back of a set of drawers maybe like that? i don't know maybe they went to confiscate the computer or something she just wanted to have a look but it's a very strange spot to put a suicide note unless there was some significance to it that he thought his wife might know i mean who really knows if it really is if but there's then, code or whatever like they were exactly. discussing in there it's probably hoping that she'll crack the code she's yeah. got no idea 15 years later exactly man who knows and look one one thing is very interesting on the note itself i mean a lot of it was just a lot of rubbish and a lot of words but there was a list of movies mentioned and one of them was the, a movie called the game which i haven't actually seen but it's actually about some sort of mysterious dealings of an investment banker and it includes a scene where nicholas who's the main character jumps off a building through a roof he jumps off a hotel building into in through a roof oh look at that's bizarre that's pretty kooky right that there coincidence maybe uh, and then even on the note itself there was a few lines and they only break Briefly sort of showed the note in the show, but people have gone and, you know, freeze-framed and written it all out and that kind of thing. He he keeps referencing the word game. And if you sort of switch that up with life, it actually sort of feels a bit more like a suicide note. Here's a few lines that have sort of been switched out. He says, now that my life has finished, instead of now that my game has finished. That was a well-played game, he said, which could be translated to, that was a, a life well-lived. And he also mentioned all who participated, which were the people that were important in his life. So he's sort of talking about a game which could almost he could also be talking about his life as well and that's where you go back into the code side of things but exactly. then with all that participated the wife mm. did mention that he left out a lot of yeah. significant names in that list of people so it's very bizarre and he had a list in there of people who and I think it was one of the first lines who had actually quote unquote completed the game and they were a list of people that had died oh, these were like I think there were some celebrities in there from memory they did briefly show it on the show but one other theory man is what if that note was written much earlier what if that note was there for 12 months and yeah, he was exactly. planning something i mean maybe he he wrote that down. it could have just been some dribble or some scribble but maybe he'd written that 12 months previous and it was just still there yeah he was one of those sort of whatever cats wasn't he he was very artistic i guess yeah. he could have been writing stuff left right and center like he was with his notes and whatever just typed that up one day flicked it there it may have no significance whatsoever exactly it's just it's just another thing that's just very strange it just not that it doesn't add up but there's definitely something there man we need to talk about claudia and this was the friend who was staying that night and, and obviously the last person to actually speak to him. Why was she staying there was one question, but I assume that the police and, and of course, Alison just accepted her story because she was obviously the one who said he went, oh, crap, and had to run out of the house all of a sudden. And apparently she flew home to New York the day after he went missing. He, she just shot through. Yeah, I found this one to be really bizarre too with Claudia. Like I thought, well, I was saying to my wife, Anna, when we first watched this, 
they need to talk to her a lot more. So yeah. she's just there. She hears this. They're taking her word as gospel. Like that may not have even happened. She's a very small part in this whole yeah. entire documentary. Yep. But they're taking her word as absolute gospel that that is exactly what he said, blah, blah, blah. Yep. It could be all... Could be all baloney. Exactly. <laughs> um, exactly. I, I do find that a little bit strange. And there was yeah. no interview with her. You would just have thought they would have spoken to her. It yeah. just seems bizarre. I can only assume... I think she was a co-worker or a friend of Alison. I mean, maybe there was a sexual relationship there. Like, who oh, knows? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of theories that could tie into her. We're only assuming that they obviously took her story and just accepted it for the truth. But who really knows? And It's it, interesting you bring that up because I was thinking yeah. the same thing about her. She seems to be a very big-time player. It seems yeah. all a little bit bizarre. If you put yourself in his shoes like you know Ash takes off for a bit and you're there chilling with Ash's best friend for yeah, the night yeah. and it just yeah, it all seems a yeah. little bit yeah. when, you, when you sort of think about it because they only obviously just sort of brush past it in the documentary when you take a step back and actually think about it you go oh that's, that's a little bit strange she's the only one who said he ran ran out of the house the way he did that's bizarre I was going to say and you mentioned to me earlier there was another thing that they left out of that documentary about when he ran out of the house mm-hmm. or is that coming soon that is coming soon but that's a very good point man so there's even some shady details about what happened that night but, you know, and I guess, you know, there's no doubt really that, that Ray was suffering from some, from some sort of mental issues. Yeah. And, and that's, I think that's been covered. But, you know, for it to be a suicide, the circumstances and the event just don't line up. This is my opinion. He gets a phone call and he just goes and jumps off a building. Like that seems like one of those mind bender riddles and you got to mm. work out why. But even just the fact that he gets this random phone call in the middle of the night, uh, it was at six o'clock, sorry. And then he just grabs his keys, runs out the door. And, and there's another fact there I'll mention shortly. And then goes and jumps off a building. And that's what the police said is what happened, essentially. I just, I just don't think that, that lines up. That is just all sorts of bizarre. That's one of the things that his wife, Alison's saying. You don't, don't just go, oh, well, I'm in a hurry. I've got to go do this now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like very, very bizarre. Yeah, it is and very bizarre. And like I mentioned to you earlier, just bizarre that he just ran out in his flip-flops to do it as well. Yeah, like yeah. it just seemed very, very, very rushed. Yeah, and, and you just got to wonder what that phone call was. And I'm thinking you're exactly right. If you're going to a hotel, even if it was just, hey, come have a drink at the bar, you're going to put shoes on. You're not going to leave in a hurry. You wouldn't even be allowed to let in. Would no, you? Wearing- that's a that's a actually that's a very good point. Would you even be allowed in the hotel without shoes on, depending on where he went? But that phone and that call was a very class act place. Yeah, exactly right. So that phone call and the theory is obviously it came from Porter's company, which is the the strange thing. But the fact that they can't get the grand jury together to go and you know I guess undo that gag order to find out what happened is incredibly dodgy. It's incredibly dodgy, and I think what you sort of spelled it out for me a little bit here, Baltimore Police Department's dodgy as yep. heck. They don't want to do it because they kind of want to cover the truth. Yeah, they do. Yeah, and, and there's actually there's a couple of uh, cases in this series that seem a little bit similar, but I've got a few actual little tidbits here from a Baltimore resident who was a regular at the Owl Bar, which is inside the Belvedere. Yeah, uh, I like this. I'm looking this forward to this one. Um, there's a few little little bits and pieces here, and these were all left out of the documentary, including a lot of notes from a book. There was a book written on this called An Unexplained Death, The True Story of a Body at the Belvedere by Makita Brotman, who I hope I've said that name right. And Looks right, buddy. This would be very interesting to read, because apparently there's a lot of details and I had to sort of go through it all and just sort of pick out bits that were quick to read because there's a lot of information that's in this book. And here's just a few little bits and pieces, whether it means a lot or not. But apparently two days before he disappeared, Alison overheard Ray leaving a voicemail for Porter saying, hey man, give me a call back. I finally got it all figured out. And apparently Porter was unclear as exactly what he meant. So... Of course Porter was unclear <laughs> of what he meant. Exactly. He was I'm in surprised on it. he was even available for comments on that and, particular situation. 
situation. Exactly. That's true. That's very true. But keep in mind that that was probably the first night that this attempted home invader also made a stop to the house. So there's a lot of bizarre occurrences yeah, of happening. of course, man. You've got to line that out. up, don't you? Exactly. So he's made that phone call. The invader yeah. rocks up at their house. Yeah, and this is like right before he, he went missing. And the documentary also left out a detail, which you were alluding to just before, is when he actually received the phone call, at the end of the call, he, he shouts, O-S-H-I-T, obviously, you know, in surprise, I guess. He runs out of the house in a hurry, but he actually came back into the house as if he'd forgotten something and then he left in Allison's car. That's very interesting for him to come back in as if to like grab something or do something and look, maybe he taped the note to the back of the computer when he ran back in the house. What was he doing running back into the house? But then again, Johnny, it comes down to this Claudia girl, I guess. Exactly, yeah. Is that even true? Did he come back into the house? Exactly. A lot comes down to her. It does. Like I think that there's something, and obviously she wasn't in the documentary, but there's definitely something interesting there and that's obviously a detail that she must have told the police that hasn't really made it into the documentary but he's obviously run out in a hurry he's come back in because he's forgotten something he's grabbed something maybe he's done the note put, put on the back of the computer that in itself is a little bit strange I mean you know he didn't run back in and grab a pair of shoes of course but um, <laughs> like that just seems very very strange strange to me and and as we sort of talk about Ray's sort of strange dealings and this was in the book apparently he'd borrowed $15,000 for a camera set up for his production company because he did videos and, and editing and that sort of thing which Allison didn't quite work out how that lined up because apparently she'd paid for the camera equipment that he spoke about with her credit card and there was really not much detail about this 15 grand that apparently he came into that and it says here she had receipts for it exactly she had proof of it so when they found the notes and I don't think they mentioned this on the documentary they actually found a blank check from his production company so it's very suspicious that this $15,000 that he'd apparently borrowed to buy camera equipment was you know was covered by her and she paid for it on her credit card who knows where that money came from and we go back to this organized crime and the mob and and where that all fits in yeah because one thing that we did leave out there now that you're talking about that sort of theories his dream was to sort of be a big time producer sort of thing yeah and he was trying to do that in cali before he moved out to hang out with porter and be a part of his business in baltimore so yeah exactly that's a a big playing effect yeah it is and and the porter thing and and that was that was sort of his dream and one thing again that was in this book i haven't made a note of here was apparently uh ray came out to to baltimore 90 days before allison did and apparently during that time uh, don't say that he partied but him and porter out having drinks every night and really living the lifestyle and oh very interesting so so he was there for yeah 90 days before she moved there so you just got to wonder what were they up to were they getting involved with you know secret groups or who really knows like it's sort of that's an interesting theory that one's a bit more open-minded but you know what what was he doing those 90 days before she got there having the time of his life by the sounds of it it's like yeah that is very interesting and i guess it's only there's only so much you can put into a documentary johnny but to me some of these things that you have put out here are just mind-bending it's mind-bending isn't it the other thing i didn't mention in here and we'll quickly wrap these up surely was uh they'd also apparently planned a trip to new mexico shortly after he actually disappeared they were going to go on a holiday there and who knows what that was for were they going to disappear go across the border and and never come back who really knows man but there's so many interesting theories around him but we'll run through these so makita who is the the author of this book lived on the fifth floor of 
a building that overlooked the roof where the hole was. On the night that he actually went missing, she heard a really loud bang. Apparently, it like shattered the windows and it was quite loud at around 10 p.m. And she said that she was never actually questioned by the police, even though on the documentary, the detective at one point was stating that they questioned the people in the building, which obviously they didn't question them close enough because it was written in her diary that she heard a loud bang around 10 p.m. So that that's amazing right there because one of the big selling points of this entire documentary is nobody heard anything. Exactly. Um, did she go forward with this inter- I believe so. information? It was in, in her book as well. So that was sort of the key theme. And here's one I'm going to throw at you off the cuff. He left the house at 6 p.m. She yep. heard the bang at 10 p.m. What, what happened the hell in four happened hours? between those four yeah. hours? And he was in such a rush to get to he wherever was. he was. Yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah, yeah, that 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 it on itself terrifies terrifies me, and even this does a little bit too, man. And another thing, I'd actually check with you whether this was mentioned in the documentary, but the three guys who actually found the hole apparently also found a wallet and a set of keys on top of the phone, the flip flop, and the glasses that were noted in the show. Apparently, they found a set of keys and a wallet as well. Who knows what happened with that evidence? But this part gets me. They also noticed a chair dangling off the edge of the hotel, which was caught by one of its metal legs, which I don't think was mentioned at all. And I've read this online a couple of times. Apparently they sort of, you obviously you see the hole in the ground, you look up to see where it came from and they saw a chair dangling off the roof of the Belvedere, which is very, very bizarre. So many movies going through my head yeah, right same. now. Like he was sitting on that chair and just ping. Pushed and off. He, yeah, he's gone. But yeah. Or again, we go back to the staged crime scene. Maybe they put it there to make it look like he was thrown off. Who, who, who really knows? Well, exactly. But then why wasn't it even spoken about? Yeah, exactly. And this part wasn't mentioned either. But apparently when they reported, they obviously rang the police. An army of police officers showed up rather than just a couple of detectives. And they were taken away for questioning straight away. So they didn't really even get much time to process the whole thing, which I find very, very bizarre. We talk about the day, you know, these days leading up to his death as well. And this is an interesting theory. I think they touched on in the documentary, but not quite, not, not a lot. But Ray actually visited his local Masonic Lodge, acquiring about joining the Freemasons. Now, when I say inquiring about joining, he was a very inquisitive sort of guy, so maybe it was more of a lead. I think they mentioned he was maybe working on something, some sort of video or... Yeah, he had something on the production lines, I think, is what she she was kind of alluding to sort of thing, but lack of communication in this relationship a bit too, I guess. Yeah, and of course, you know, we're not going to talk about the Freemasons too much, but there is a a cloud of mystery around what they get up to. It's it's a club, I suppose, and and who knows, it's a bit like the Stonecutters. And from reports, he did seem very normal when he went to visit, but a lot of the Baltimore police belonged to the group, as well as the Belvedere having ties to wealthy individuals who would have been involved with the Freemasons, you know, in years gone by. So mm. there's a whole, a few of these pieces are just up there that may sort of fall together. And Ray did mention the Freemasons in his note, which was mentioned in the documentary. I think that's where they started to talk about it. But perhaps there's some coincidence there. It also plays on the theory that Ray found out something that he shouldn't, or he was sort of over his head. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Maybe they were involved with something. Maybe they were covering something up, and he just stumbled on it. And you know, maybe. He he went to the lodge to make some inquiries and then all the police officers and they've all woken up to the fact that hey he knows something he shouldn't we've got to take care of him out. he was just dead you know, yeah it could yeah. be it's, and, and one last one here man before we give our thoughts and uh, this is on a bit of a different note. I actually read this a couple of times and this might sound a little bit far fetched but apparently the Belvedere also has a reputation for straight men coming to meet up for homosexual relations that's sort of a reputation that it's got I have read that a few times so perhaps some blackmail was at play perhaps Perhaps his secret relationship was about to be exposed, which maybe someone at the firm knew, and that was his phone call. Maybe the phone call didn't happen, and he was just going out to meet his lover and and fell on hard play or, or foul play, and 
the friend was trying Mate, to cover well, it up. Female, see there, and well, he's gone. O s h i t. He's in yeah. trouble. Someone's That's found totally left field right there. And well, that could go back to the ninety days of whatever went on before exactly. she got over. Who knows? Who knows? Like it's that is well and truly yeah. super deep into the rabbit hole. I would like to think for Allison's sake <laughs> that is not the case. No, I know. But it is just it is a really bizarre case. And I want to say real quickly to people listening to this, John goes, yeah, there's some good theories behind this, but nothing compared to some of the other cases. Oh, yeah. Yep. And like, I'm, I'm actually sort of tingling here because yeah. I'm just like, wow, this is insane. It really is, man. And again, like we said at the start, this is the benefit of having the internet and, and sites like Reddit and Twitter and all other forums to, for people to give their thoughts. And and compared to some of the other cases, man, this is just scraping the top of the, the iceberg there. Look, this has got so many cleared theories, like we said earlier about you know who, who made that phone call? What's the note about? Where did he fall from? How did he get to where he is? Where'd the hole come from? There's so many unanswered questions, but the good news is, and on a, a good note for Allison, is the case has been, he's been reinvestigated as a homicide and as all these cases are it is and then they're they're all being reinvestigated and reopened because of the show which you know if there's any good that they can do this is just awesome for the family yeah 100 percent. and we've got a segment here now with our thoughts john and my thoughts straight off the cuff is definitely 100% not a suicide no way like it sort of alludes to it a little bit in some places but then uh, there is just so many possibilities that make yep. a, a lot of sense I'm thinking Porter is heavily involved there's yep. something to do with that law firm but there's so many that could lead up so yeah. hit me with yours man yeah look I've been thinking about this quite a bit since I've been reviewing and looking through notes and my theory is that it wasn't I don't think it was a suicide I just don't think that there's enough evidence that he like he got a phone call apparently got a phone call he ran up that building and he jumped off like that there's just no way that that happened a six foot five guy making a hole that size we would have had to have gone down like a pin pin dive it just doesn't make sense then yeah and just even i'm sorry to cut you off there but if you're gonna do that you're probably not gonna do it in flip-flops no you're probably not you're not gonna rush out and and not if you're afraid of heights like you're gonna make that massive jump you think uh might you know break out the old yeah uh, track runners there I think I exactly just, you know. and, and the fact that they found his glasses and his phone just sitting next to the hole 100% that's, that's bizarre. set up dude and my sort of theory I think it's the Ozark situation I really do think Ray being an inquisitive guy you can imagine you know he's been involved with Porter and you can imagine like if I was doing some shady dealings and you being a very close friend you might sort of stumble on something oh geez, Fitzy's been doing that <laughs> and think about it and then if my associates say well your best friend knows what we're doing we're going to take care of him Yeah, I don't think Porter's directly related but I think something that he's involved with and this actually happened at the very start of Ozark actually oh, if you've it. ever seen the show very well, similar sorry, very I'm similar to watch yeah, it the friend sort of gets involved and then Jason Bateman's character sort of comes along to try and smooth it over and whatnot. but I think that Porter knew something I don't think he was directly responsible but I think the fact that he's keeping quiet and obviously he tried to you know, he, he gagged all of his employees and the people at the firm from saying anything I think he knows but I don't think it was his doing if that makes sense yeah that does make Makes sense, and I probably tend to agree with you right there. He's sort of he's playing the role of the bad friend, I guess, but he's yeah. probably terrified for his own life right there. That's what I think. Yeah, and there's so many things though, dude. Like it, a lot comes down to that Claudia girl. We're just taking her word mm. as that the phone calls and whatnot. You know th- what he said and yeah, how yeah. he ran out. Like nobody really knows. It's hard to look back and then you hear about this girl that lived over the street in the ten o'clock, the sixteen yeah, ten thing. Yeah. There again, that what comes down, to Claudia. Oh no, there was 
records of a six o'clock phone call. Yeah, there was, wasn't yeah, there. So it came what at happened six. between that four hour period? Again, you're taking that person's word that it did happen at ten o'clock. Yep, yep, yep. It's so strange, isn't it, man? And then I think even you look at the company, like they had that one one point five million dollar fine for, for basically fraud. Yeah, like they, it's very much a possibility that they're just a front for some sort of organized crime, whether it's Russians, whether it's a mob of some description. I think they've just got in too far over their heads, and that killing or that death was staged, and it was a sign to Porter or his associates. That's what I think. And maybe, like I said, maybe that $1.5 million, you know, he had no way to pay it. He went to the mob to get money. You know, like I think on the Simpsons, you know, like with the pretzel van. Yeah. You know, like, you know, you look after us, we scratch your back sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and then maybe as sort of collateral, you know, maybe Ray being the inquisitive type, maybe he found something out. Maybe Porter said something to him He's and he knew too much and he had to be disposed of. Yeah, well, I tell you what, there is someone that definitely knows the truth and I would say yep. it is in that firm right there. Porter would know what is happening. Yeah. I'm scratching my head. There's, But the thing is, is there's so many possibilities that sort of add up. To yeah, it is. And there's so much unknown. And I think that the whole, his side of, like, even that's news to me about the loan being out for his own equipment. Like, it's all a little bit dodgy for his production firm that he was yeah. starting up there. You it's, just And how good of friends were him and Porter? Like, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, does Porter even know about that? Is he involved with that somehow? You just don't just know. Don't Hands know. up in the air sort uh, of deal. It's just strange. And, like, if you're in Porter's situation, you are dealing with, again, having watched Ozark, I can see how it would work. You're dealing with, with a cartel or a mob. They don't care. They'll chop whatever off they have to, to get <laughs> yeah. a message through. They'll kill whoever they have to to get a message through. It seems like a very plausible theory. And and then you go back to the Baltimore Police Department. If they've got any people being paid off inside, remember they changed the detective who thought it was a homicide. They reassigned him. I'm surprised he didn't go missing. Yeah, exactly right. Like There's a lot of just shadiness happening in there. But geez, I'll tell you what, man, what a case we've had for episode one. Like it's just It gets better and better from here, but man, we've kicked it off with a, with a ripper. That is just episode one. There are still five to come in this particular series, Johnny, and we can only give our thoughts and sort of ideas on this. Who knows yeah, where the truth lies? If you do know, unsolved.com, I believe, is yep. the website to hit that up, but I hope someday we do find out just for some clarity and for some relief yeah. for the family right there because they, did, they seem like really nice people and it's just such a horrible thing that's happened. Well, yeah, exactly, and they just want closure, don't they? They yeah. want to know what happened here, whatever the outcome is, and, and some of these cases are quite tragic in that way, and just not knowing what happened to a family member or relative, like it must be so tough, but yeah, one thing there, I think, and this is the scary thing about being in 2020 in this day and age, is for example, you can go on Porter's Facebook page and send him a message. I had it up just before, like there's he, there he is on Facebook, and that's the oh, same. Oh, you're with, kidding me. No, I'm not kidding, and there's some other people in future cases just sitting on Facebook, getting barreled by everyone who's watching the show, so it's a, wow. it's a scary world sometimes out there, man. Does he have his workers works at them and then works at the mob? <laughs> yes. <laughs> works at Baltimore Mob and works with Fat Tony. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. There's our lighthearted side coming through. But, Johnny, it's been a bunch of fun. The hair's on the back of the old neck. Oh, We're yeah. sticking up there at one stage, buddy. And, well, I guess until next time, we will delve into episode two. Exactly. Off the top of your head. What was that? That was the mum that went missing, I believe, and the dodgy stepfather. I'm pretty sure it was that episode, but I can't wait to dive into that one. And if anyone's got any theories, hit us up via the website or Facebook. We want to we want to theorize. We want to throw some some interesting ones out there. And if you've gone down the rabbit hole, let us know what you found because that's my favorite thing to do. Yeah, that's that's 100 right. And this has been great for me too because I don't really have. Well, it's not. I probably could find time, but I just don't <laughs> even know where to start. So you've 
dove down that rabbit hole for me, Johnny. But thank you so much for all your theories and whatnot right there. And hey, we're going to be back with footy <laughs> exactly. pretty soon. Well, so actually, we did joke about it on the uh, footy podcast. Madman was missing for 45 minutes while we're waiting for him to come and record the show. So where was he during that time? Yeah, I tell you yeah. what, that's a pretty easy one right there. And his hair was undone. I'd say <laughs> the love was made and he's had a quick shower and he's like, don't have time to have because that hair, oh, his hair yeah. really is on point for people. Yeah. They don't see. He's gone, oh, I just whip this and whip that sort of thing and it's done. I would say that's a good half an hour to 45 minutes worth of doing the hair right yeah, there. Yeah, I would think so too. And look, you know, if there's some interest in it, we'll, we'll go down the rabbit hole with the madman. We'll oh. go for that 45 minutes. We'll make episode seven about what happened when <laughs> Gracie didn't rock up for a Grey Wolf The footy. missing madman, yeah, because his theory of him sitting on the bed, I believe he said, and just sitting there while we were waiting here. Mm. No, nah, I'm not buying that. No, nah, neither am I. It's uh, And I've already got my theories on it, but maybe we'll wait for a special edition episode on that one and we'll give him his chance to have his say but yeah there's something fishy there madman so you better come clean or else we're going to dig, dig into it that's right or oh, maybe he's working on that beige fox podcast that he keeps alluding to but hey greywolfentertainment.net check out all the shows we've got grey wolf wrestling there we have the official grey wolf podcast we need to jump into another we one do. of those real quick of course unsolved we're going live this Sunday this upcoming Sunday on Facebook so much in the works thanks so much for joining us see you next time This has been another presentation from the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network, greywolfentertainment.net.